smoking and growing and watching prohibition fall down. Hey, what's up, DGC? We have another episode of Know Your Breeder today. And today we have something a little bit different. We have uh, Floyd from Hoku, Hoko Seed Company. And uh, he is a legit medical uh, breeder and enthusiast. Um, and uh, he's been nice enough to stop by the show. Uh, a bunch of DGCs recommended that we connect with him. So I'm really excited to talk about him. Uh, I think we have him on the line. Guru, is, is Floyd on? Floyd is here. Welcome, hey my friend. How's it going? Excellent. We're uh, we're very excited to have you. Thank you for coming by the show. And uh, just real quick, uh, I, I know that you uh, are a medical breeder, but I'd love for you to just kind of tell everybody who you are, where you're at, and um, and we just get started that way. Cool. So I'm uh, Floyd. Um, we're located in Washington State, so just uh, on the west side of the Cascades. And uh, we are a licensed hemp farm. Um, we operate as uh, our farm is Clearwater Family Farms, but uh, our main business um, is Hoku Seed Company. And so, uh, so we started uh, this about three years ago with the passage of the 2018 Farm Bill. So we've been doing this um, for the last couple of years. But uh, you know, we got our our roots. Uh, in the medical cannabis industry here in Washington state, uh, you know, pre-legalization probably about 10, 12 years ago. And so um, that's where, you know, I kind of cut my teeth learning how to grow um, all different kind of styles, uh, started breeding, started getting into, uh, you know, CBD came around um, and uh, started playing around with some of the, some of those genetics, some of the clone onlys. Um, and that kind of all led us uh, up to this point where, um, you know, as we, as the market transitioned from medical into recreational, we just kind of, we opted out of the wreck. It just didn't seem, uh, suited for us. I mean, there was a lot of barriers to entry taxes, you know, startup costs, all that. So we just kind of hung back, still grew our medical gardens. Um, and then when the opportunity came to, uh, um, to grow hemp legally, we jumped on that. So we, uh, we ended up setting up three greenhouses on our property. I've got five acres. So it's kind of like a small farm. You got cows, chickens, all that stuff. Cool. Um, and we started, uh, started growing hemp flour and started really diving into the hemp genetics, which, um, there was a huge gap because, you know, with the legal legalization of hemp, um, it kind of spurred an entire, uh, movement of like feminized seeds geared towards commercial production. So people were pumping out feminized seeds for mass scale, you know, acreage. Yeah. Um, but the quality wasn't there. We were kind of missing, you know, a huge, you know, there's just, it's just a genetic kind of, uh, um, gap essentially. But, uh, but yeah, so we've been working on that, improving some of the terpene profiles and, and, uh, and where our passion really lies is, uh, in mixed ratio cannabis. Um, so not just focused on, you know, I mean, we, part of our business really is, um, geared towards the compliant hemp market. So producing terpene rich, um, CBD flour, um, for the general consumer. Um, but then we also have, you know, our passion projects, which are, incorporating on a lot of, uh, a lot of the minors. So like, uh, THCV, um, CBG, CBDV, some of these cannabinoids that, um, you'd find in, you know, kind of uh, minute amounts, um, we're selectively breeding them out. And so we're using land races, um, and heirloom varieties from around the world, 
And we're starting to tease these out. And so that's kind of where um, we're really focused on now. So in, in many ways, it's like bridging kind of my medical cannabis experience with the hemp experience and kind of merging them together. So cool. Very cool. So uh, I'm curious, when uh, going back before you started growing hemp and breeding it legally, I mean, did you come from sort of the THC heavy varieties in terms of learning how to grow or was it always hemp from the beginning? So yeah, back in the day, CBD, like I didn't even, it wasn't even a term. It was just, we were just growing cannabis. We were just growing weed, you know? I mean, I got my medical card when I was 18, 19 years old, right out of high school. Yeah. And it was on. So I like, it was, uh, you know, I've never really been a part of kind of the, you know, the free market or the, you know, as some would say, but, uh, so I kind of rolled into that. We used to grow. Um, we sold directly to dispensaries, as I'm sure you guys are in Colorado. Back, back you days. Kind of went, through, went through the same process. <laughs> we we owned a collective. So my my family and I we ran a collective for a couple of years, um, and then my brother in law took that over, and it kind of he ended up selling it to a, a rec uh, license holder. Uh-huh. So you know, the store just became a rec store. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, my experiences with just, with just cannabis, but it, it the interest in CBD came around when, uh, we started seeing like the clone only. So like Harlequin came out, which is kind of like a four to one. Mm-hmm. We had ACDC remedy start popping up. These are some of the early CBD strains. And so when we would get a hold of them, you know, we, we realized that there was a, there was a market, there was a group of people that, that, you know, not only, you know, so they were kind of geared towards, um, uh, epilepsy, you know, I think that was kind of the, one of the first things that kind of spurred yeah. interest in CBD. And so, you know, he had like Sanjay Gupta with his, his big TV program and stuff. So that was kind of like creating interest. And so we ran with it and, uh, we started growing some and we found out that some of the patients that we were dealing with actually got benefit from them. And they liked the fact that it kind of like modulated the THC. So they didn't get as high. They could medicate during the day, a little more clear headed, yeah. helped with anxiety. So when people were sick and maybe depressed. Um, it kind of uplifted their mood, calmed their thoughts. And so it was, it, we were just seeing these benefits come around. And so it was something that we, we saw the value in and we started incorporating them into our growing. And then I eventually started breeding with them. And then it wasn't only, uh, till years later when the hemp market, uh, popped off in Oregon and Colorado, this was pre farm bill. So that was probably around like 15, 16. Yeah. And so I watched those industries take off and I watched the development of CBD rich uh, genetics. And, uh, and I was just waiting for our turn. So Washington state didn't come online until the 18, uh, farm bill. So our first season was in 2019. Uh, but we've been growing up until that point. Um, and so we dove in, uh, started breeding. Uh, we, we, it, it's kind of interesting to watch the evolution of these cannabis and hemp industries, um, over the years, especially even, state by state, you know, like now we've got Oklahoma, a lot of the East coast states popping off on the, with the cannabis market, but the hemp market was, was different because it went federally legal, uh, kind of right away. So, um, which allowed us to, you know, sell and, uh, sell across the country. So, you know, one of our bread and butters is, is hemp flour. And mm-hmm. so we're able to legally sell that, um, you know, online to all 50 states. And so that kind of keeps, the lights on, but our real interest lies in the breeding. And so that's um, not only producing like compliant hemp cultivars um, that kind of look, smell, taste like cannabis, you know, which that was one of the big things that we were missing in the hemp industry for a while. And it's only this last year or two that we've really started to see selective breeding um, improve the gene pool incredibly. So we're getting, you know, a lot of the sours, the chemi flavors, 
Whereas before it was like, I'm sure you remember it was all cherry, like everything tasted like cherry. Then we got some fruits, you know, fruity flavors. And so it's evolving and it's a different industry because nobody's aiming to get, you know, high in a, in a way, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a legal cannabis product. So people that are in dry states or states where they can't get cannabis, it's a way that they can get, you know, high quality flour um, and cannabinoids, you know, into their body. And so in many ways, it's, it is really focused on the medicinal aspect because let's in honest, in all honesty, like CBD, if you're just a healthy average person, you're not going to notice it when you smoke it. Yeah. But if you have any kind of chronic pain or anxiety or depression, it's, it, you, it's going to be for many people, it's a game changer and you'll notice it right away, but it, it tends to be, it tends to like be the absence of pain. So it's like, you, you know, you consume cannabis and you, you get a noticeable psychoactive effect. Well, with hemp, it, more, it targets a different receptor and it targets really your body, you know? I mean, it does have a psychoactive effect to it in that um, if you're in tune with your thoughts and your body, you can actually feel your thoughts slow down. And like, it, it, you know, it is very much um, an anti-anxiety medicine for a lot of people. Um, so like that part's interesting and, and I, and that's, that's kind of like our legal business and that's, that's really what keeps the lights on. And, and that's where I, I'm a huge part of my passion is, but at, at the end of the day, like my heart and soul are all into the mixed ratio cannabis. So like, I think in that, I, I think that's where a lot of maybe your followers um, are interested in what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to combine what's happening in the hemp market, which is all legal cannabinoids, cannabinoids. So you have, the recreational market is is literally just limited to, you know, not limited to, but they're regulated because of their Delta nine THC levels. Right. So that's the, that's one of the only, that's the only scheduled cannabinoid, all the other cannabinoids, you know, and we can get into isomers and stuff later, but like the natural cannabinoids are legal. So you have like, so the hemp guys have, I mean, CBC, CBT, we have CBDV, CBGV, THCV, yeah. you know, so I mean, the list goes on. So, I mean, as far as breeding goes, yeah, I can grow thousands of plants, um, you know, and, and do uh, large pheno hunts, you know, um, really easily in my backyard, you know, because it is an agricultural commodity. So I have no limitations as far as canopy. Yeah. Um, so it's really been a blessing for breeding as far as like, um, hunting and selecting for, for mixed ratios. And so just for example, like some of the projects we have coming is like, uh, if you hit up the Instagram, I'm working on mad villain F2s. And so that's a project we did last year where I took a CBG dominant, um, uh, plant, mm-hmm. which was our mad, our mad dog. And I crossed it to a one-to-one THC, THCV land race. Um, and now we're taking those to F2. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing mixed ratios of like THC along with THCV. And then you have CBG along with CBGV. And then, so you're basically, you're pulling out some of these miners. And so like that one-to-one, it can, uh, that land race that we're working with, it's a 6% THC and a 6% THCV, uh, cultivar. And so we're hoping to, uh, basically create not only compliant, uh, hemp varieties that have THCV, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a stimulating energetic, um, cannabinoid, um, along with, you know, mixed ratios, uh, of, you know, healthy doses of THC with THCV or THC with CBG. So essentially we're creating like new and unique effects that you don't normally get from, um, from like a THC dominant or a CBD dominant plant. And I really do think this is the future of cannabis. 
Like, so when you've maxed out, you know, like your 30% THC and you've kind of gone through the gamut of terpene, fl- you know, terpenes, um, the only way to push this plant forward is to really dive back into the gene pools of like the land race populations yep. where these miners are prevalent. Like you can go, you know, to like a lot of the Thai African land races, any, most of the equatorials are rich in THCV. Um, and then you have other regions and even heirloom, uh, hemp varieties are really rich. That's where a lot of our CBG rich genetics come from. So really it's like, I see both markets or both industries merging. And I feel like right now, a lot of people are staying in their lane. So it's like the THC guys are doing what they're, what they're doing. The hemp guys are kind of focused on just pure hemp varieties. Yeah. Um, so, but really, I think the synergy of all the cannabinoids bring something new to the table. And we're, we're finding stuff that's like, it may only be 10% cannabinoids, but the effects are like, you know, smoking a 25, 30%, but they're completely unique in that um, they're effects that we've never really felt before. And so that's kind of what's interested me is bringing cool. those to the table and then also creating genetics that the hobby grower can then go and take and create their own medicine. Cause really at the end of the day, like you guys are all about, it's growing your own, right? right. It's like freeing the plant, you know, nobody should have to go and pay 40 bucks for an eighth, you know, like you can, I mean, every, every home garden should have some hemp plants or some cannabis plants in there. I, I the, that's uh, fascinating. I, I, <laughs> I can't help but think that, uh, you know, all of these cannabinoids and all these compounds, everything was already, already there. Right. Yeah. And then we had some stupid racist ideas to stop people from smoking weed. And that yeah. caused people to breed out one, one way and another way. Right. So one people, one group had the high THC, low odor kind of stuff. Right. And then the hemp kind of went the other way and there was some stuff in underground. And it's fascinating to me that the only reason that we are still split is still that federal legalization. Right. So at, at some point when that happens, the work that you're doing, which is kind of maintaining that full profile kind of stuff, even though it doesn't have the THC, seems like it'd be pretty easy to kind of bring it all back together with the high THC varieties. And then we're going to wind up with sort of either customizable or full high levels of cannabinoids in plants, which is really, really cool. Yeah, no, it it is going to be cool. I think that is, that's, I mean, once you have the, uh, the, you know, the base level of genetics, so say if you could like stabilize a THC B variety, you know, we have CBG, which has came out within the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, we CBD dominant. Now we're starting to see CBC rich, like a friend of mine, a high Alpine genetics has a 7% CBC variety, which the cool thing with CBC is I don't know a lot about what the effects are in particular, but it is, they're like, they're using it to cut carts because it's, it's more of a viscous, you know, kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually use cannabinoids to cut your carts versus, you know, so it's a hundred percent natural uh, product, you know, if you're using, you know, cannabis drive terpenes. Um, and so just to bring it back to like, uh, you know, nomenclature. So in the hemp world, we kind of differentiate by chemotype. So um, why not phenotype, bro? What's that? Why is it not phenotype? Tell me, tell me the, so, why, so, why is so that? Your phenot- so a typical phenotype is your physical characteristic. So it's like you would be selecting off, you know, what you can see and how it's, you know, um, basically adapted to the environment that it's growing in. So you're selecting on structure, terpene profile. It's the physical characteristic. So a chemotype is the biochemical makeup of the plant. And so that's where we're focused as hemp breeders. And that's one thing that differentiates hemp breeders from cannabis breeders is that we, 
test everything that we do because we're required by law to have, you know, under a certain level of Delta nine. And so when you're hunting through chemotypes and say you want, like, I have plenty of crosses that aren't compliant. So most of my mixed ratio crosses still have five to 10% THC, you know, on top of, you know, CBG, THCV, whatever else we've been working in. And then it takes, you know, several generations to tease that THC out. Um, so in many sense, we're always dealing with chemotypes. And so just to break it down for a lot of people, and this is, you know, th this is something, it's an easy way to differentiate. We have like type one cannabis, which is your THC dominant cannabis. Uh -huh. right? You have type two, which is mixed ratio CBD THC. So though that's, you know, if you cross one like to one or something even, like that, Yep, one to one, but it really it includes any mixed ratio. So if you have say like a, a four to one THC to CBD or, you know, anything like that, yep. anything where it's, it's not considered a minor, like I maybe, I mean, I just throw it out like anything that's uh, less than 10 to one ratio, you know, or something. And then you have your type three, which is CBD dominant. You have type four, which is CBG dominant. And then you start getting into type five, which is cannabinoid free. And that's as far as the chemotype classifications have got. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I predict in the future, because we're seeing THCV rich uh, cannabis come, come to the forefront, um, we're going to have more chemotypes classified okay. um, into the future. And then basically, you know, it's going to be like you said, in the future, is it going to be, you know, you're not just going to have THC or CBD. It's going to be like, you know, which ratios do you want? And in some cases we have four dominant cannabinoids where you're talking about like uh, CBD, CBDV and THC and THCV all bundled up into one. So a buddy of mine, hemp farmer clay on Instagram, uh, I forget what the ratios were, but he had like, it was like a 4% THC, 4% THCV, and then 2% CBD and a 2% CBDV. So it's kind of like a quattro. Yeah. You know, and it's like, sounds like, so a, I mean, like a vitamin label. It's got, you know, it, exactly, your daily recommended it, allowance of, of each element, you know, but the cool thing is, is it's wrapped up in a natural, you know, it's, it's, it's in flower form. So it's like, we can create these ratios and isolates or like in hash, right? So we can go and we can take and extract our CBG and that you see that that's happening a lot today is people are doing the conversion. So um, I don't know if we can get it, you know, what do you mean get by conversion? like, so essentially what's happening in the hemp market today yeah. is CBD is basically become um, a precursor cannabinoid. So the market basically crashed on CBD in 2019. Everybody and their mom grew hemp that year and essentially crashed the market. I mean, you can get kilos of CBD distillate for 200 bucks. Like it's biomass is like a buck or two a pound. Like it literally just... Um, it, it, it rocked the market. So basically people were looking for other ways to make uh, money using CBD. And so um, extractors fi figured out that you can actually do conversions in the lab um, gotcha. using catalysts. So what they do is they take CBD, CBD, they create Delta eight, Delta 10, uh, THCP, uh, HHC. Is there and so these are essentially, these are all uh, isomers or synthetic analogs or cannabinoids um, that can be created from CBD and they get you high. So basically because they're started and created from a hemp derived product, people have found essentially a loophole in, in the marketplace. And, and, and now I think the regulators are starting to catch on because you have states that have uh, made Delta eight illegal. I yeah. think Colorado would be one of them. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's kind of, 
been, you know, pushing in on the hemp industry. So very, no, go ahead. Doesn't it seem just this whole thing is just so ridiculous because it's literally all the same plant. Yep. And so all of this isolating and conversion and separating them out is just all just this legal nonsense. No, am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so the problem with the isomers, it, it, it's a consequence of prohibition. And yeah, it, it, it really, it really is. And yeah, because, it's, you know, you have these legal markets where if they could just go buy cannabis, they would just go buy cannabis. Yeah. But because you have, you know, a hemp company that has found a loophole and they're selling, selling Delta 8 sprayed flour and people are just looking for relief. You know, I mean, people, it, you know, I mean. It's in, so, it is. I'm sorry, man. It is insane. It's insane that for something that you can throw some seeds in a pot in your backyard and grow just everything that you're describing from the testing to the regulations to the conversion and the labs and all the things that go into that. Just to me, that seems crazy when it should just like kind of grow in your backyard. It well, does. even the even the definition of cannabis and hemp and like what is what it's all arbitrary. It's that's all exactly that's what I'm saying. It's I mean, completely it arbitrary. If it's a, a 15 foot tall fiber plant or uh, you know a little four foot indica hash plant, it's all the same <laughs> plant. Like that's the thing. crazy thing. Like we're differentiating it. It, it. It's pointless, and that and that's kind of like you have to play the game. Like in order for me to to do what I want to do, to do the breeding, to grow, to grow the, to basically do this as a living, I got to jump through the hoops. It's just like any rec grower will right. tell you, they need a permit, you know? So, um, sorry, I'm just being just, you know, no, 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 dude, I, I appreciate it because <laughs> being it, it, idealistic it, it, here, but, um, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good point to draw upon because, you know, we, it, they're just definitions, right? It's like my plant is a hemp plant because it has under 0.3% Delta nine or whatever, but, but really it's just a high CBD cannabis plant, right. you know, that's been selectively bred. And it's just like, you know, a fiber plant has just been selectively bred for its fiber. A grain variety has been selectively bred to produce, yeah. you know, copious amounts of seed and finish early. And so um, it's, it's all what your goals are with the plant. And so like my goal is creating unique mixed ratio cannabis and, and, and I'm able to do large seed runs. So like, if you hit up the site, like we do offer reasonably priced seeds, like the hemp farmer has gotten used to a dollar a seed. Yeah. And so uh, over the last couple of years, so it's really hard to charge them five, $10 a seed for, uh, you know, even if, if it just, even if the work in the time that it took to create that line justifies it, it's really hard to, to get people to pay more. But, um, and you're starting to see hemp prices come back up because a lot of people have left the industry. Yeah. And so the people that are left standing are the ones that are, are passionate about it because all the quick money is gone. So, you know, the people that got in on the gold rush, gotcha. you you're know, a little more motivated, that, that, altruistic, maybe. Yep. Those have fizzled out. And so the people that are, are left are the ones that want to be here. And, uh, you know, and, and I think you'll find that a lot of the hemp hemp people that are passionate about it, that are growing high quality hemp flower, they all came from the cannabis community, you know, because we know what good flower, you know, is it, yeah. what it's supposed to be, you know? So it's like, we've grown up around it. We've smoked it. It's, it's, you know, it's our, to me, this is like, like what I'm doing, it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Like, it's not like, you know, my farm and and everything that I do every day, I can't tease them apart. Like my, you know, um, it's a seven day a week job. Like we don't go on vacations, you know, I mean, apart, you know, so my family definitely sacrifices. Um, and I, but I think anybody that, that, that grows cannabis or grows hemp and, and does it year round, you know, because we are greenhouse growers. Um, we have harvests roughly every six weeks this year. Yeah. And so it's, uh, 
you have to love what you do because it's, it's your life. You know, I mean, you wake up and it's like every moment you've got a, a plant that needs taken care of or something to check on. You've got clones started, yeah. seeds started. So Keeps it's, busy. Uh, um, it's, uh, yeah, no, I Good. mean, it's, you know, it's the path that I've chosen and, and I feel truly blessed to be able to do this for a living. And, and even just to be here talking to you guys, like it's, it's, uh, sometimes I wake up and it's, yeah. It's like good, a dream come true. Good on you for following your dream, man, and doing th- something that makes you happy and that's rewarding. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Scotty's yeah. saying that all the time. He just loves doing what he does. It's not like work. You yeah. Know? No, and it's not, man. And that's it, a way to live if you can. Time. You know, that's the goal. Make yeah. make life fun as possible. Yeah. And and don't give up, you know, because if you do have a dream, like, dude, I've been doing this for 10 years and really just now started making money at it. You know like what I mean? Like, you know, back in the medical days, we were living good, but I've always worked two jobs. Like I'm a, I was a carpenter by trade, our family business. Uh, we were, you know, built new homes, remodeled homes. So that's what I've done up until the, uh, up until two years ago was the first time that I was actually able to step away from that business and focus on the farm full time. But even back during the medical days, it was a, it was a part-time full-time gig. You know, yeah. I was basically working, I'd come home, you know, work out in the garden until 10 o'clock at night, get up the next day, go to work and then do it again. You know? So it's, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been around cannabis most of your life. I mean, it's probably the reason why you're doing this. So, you know, you get the grind and it's, but it, you know, you have the cannabis. It's a different kind of grind. Call, yeah. You, but you, you know, you have the medicine of the plant that keeps you going. It's like a motivator, you know, it's like, no matter what, what you do, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, I don't know, in many ways, I feel like, you know, the plant cultivates me more than I cultivate my, you know, her in some ways. I hear it's that like, a I, lot. I've grown so much. Yeah, doing what you know, doing so, this. So I'm. Uh, I, I want to go back to uh, you. You were talking about how you guys pretty much grow the hemp flowers and sell those. So I'm assuming. Yeah. I don't know if you, I, I'm curious. Are you? Is it like bud? Is it hemp rolls? What's oh, the no. What's the format? And I'm curious about how people are kind of smoking those, or or you know what they do with it. Like, are they smoking joints? Do you do bong hits of this stuff? I have no idea. What does so it taste like? Because the ones I've had, sorry, I, they've oh. not been super impressive, but I heard you talking before about mixing our our favorite flavors as weed consumers like chems and yeah. stuff, sours in there. And so I'm really curious to really understand a little bit more about that hemp flower consumption experience. So so if you came into the hemp scene the last couple of years, you're probably smoking pretty, pretty garbage outdoor. Yeah. What has happened in the last year or so has the market's been completely uh, turned on its head, man. So like last year on the West coast, last summer, uh, free market pounds were going for around 300 to five. Like it was literally a dude. Like, I don't even know how anybody was making money. They our, weren't. Flour, <laughs> our, our premium. Yeah. Our, our premium <laughs> hemp flour is going for any is, is 11 to 1200 a pound. So what's happening is the, the, the craft hemp market is looking more like the craft cannabis market every day. Okay. That's yeah. That's what I'm interested in, brother. Essentially. So you're talking about like people are getting into making, um, you know, uh, dabs. So like, uh, hydrocarbon extractions, you know, sauces, diamonds, all that's coming up. Uh, the indoor, like indoor and greenhouse grown flower, like we grow mixed light greenhouses which is, I, I mean, I think some of our flowers is on par with some indoor, but yeah, I mean, if you have the right genetics, if I showed you our flower, you probably couldn't tell the difference between a cannabis, you know, strain and a hemp strain until you smoked it, you know? Um, and that's where we're getting is, is the flavor. Like, 
So we were missing a lot of flavors the last couple of years, like especially the sours, the chems, kind of like the funky, like the GMOs and stuff. Yep. And uh, so we've been outcrossing a lot of our hemp genetics to plants like, uh, you know, a lot of your like clone only hemp strains. So like uh, even, you know, some the hype cookie stuff, Gary Payton emergency, we've got a uh, jokers from compound, you know, we've got all the different flavors we've got, a. Uh, um, but not only that, so you have other breeders that are selectively breeding. So what you do is, you know, you outcross a CBD, create a mixed ratio. And then within two or three generations, you can have a fully compliant hemp strain um, just by, you know, breeding out the THC. And so that's how you're going to get new flavors. Whereas before, when everybody was making money, you know, you could throw anything at the market and it was selling. Why would you go through the process of taking three generations to create a compliant hemp strain? Well, you could just take what's on the market, smash them together and sell the seed. And so that business model no longer is is working and so people are actually having to put in the work and create unique genetics yeah and i think that's what you're seeing in the hemp market now so is, uh, how is that flower sold is it just like uh i mean they're so, like strains just like you know like what so we it's, are it's, used it's to it's or? no different it's no different than the cannabis market except that the thc levels and then also the fact that we can um we sell it on our website just like any other product it'd be like um you know so uh, you can go online, you can purchase it. We sell it in, you know, eights, quarters, ounces. It's, bud. it's just bud. It's just bud. So you can process it into like all the, every, you know, everything imaginable as far as like the can of, you can make gummies, you can make tinctures, balms, all that stuff. Interesting. Our company specifically sticks to just focused on flour, like mostly raw products. So we do like uh, flour, we do keef. Um, I do have some uh, one, like a couple balms and, or, uh, you know, one basic balm recipe that's been, we've been using for the last 10 years. Yeah. It also incorporates the roots, which have medicinal alkaloids. So that's one thing that a lot of people throw away that don't use. Um, and then we have our, you know, high potency tinctures, which we've got CBD, a CBD, CBG, um, CBGA and CBDA, but really it, it's just like the cannabis market flower is, is king. You know, it makes up the majority of the market share. So if you can, if you can grow premium flower, it'll always, there's always a market. There's always root. Yeah. The cream. Yeah, I mean, there's so there's, yeah. So it's like, uh, there's so much, you know, mids out there that it's like, if you can get a good product, that's fresh. Um, so we typically sell our flower out between harvest. So it's, you know, it's, so it's, it, nothing really stays on the shelf. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I like I like the idea. So, um, are there like popular varieties that are like what What are your customers like? What, what What's everybody smoking? What so flavors have, are out there? What do you got? What do you guys got? So I've got so people have really been liking my Love Bone, which is it's um basically we took a oh it was Sin City Seeds. They had a Tora Bora strain, which was like a ACDC crossed with uh, or excuse me, it was Bora Bora. ACDC cross with Tora Bora, which was uh, like LA confidential and something. So it's a super heavy indica, right? Okay. And then uh, we cross that to uh, one of our CBG plants. And what you get is you get like a CBD dominant plant with a couple points of CBG. And believe it or not, the combination of those two cannabinoids gets, it gives you like a really noticeable effect. So, like so it's, turbo? Not, it's like, it's not so it's more, I think it's more relaxing than anything like the interest. So this is the interesting thing. So CBG dominant, uh, varieties are very stimulating and energizing. 
But the minute that it becomes like a minor, like it definitely has more of a, a relaxing kind of like full body effect. So people really like that because it's one of those strains that you can smoke and it's a noticeable effect. You, you know, you feel it after a joint. Another one is our OZ Kush, which is surprisingly, it's another CBD by CBG cross. So basically it's a CBD dominant with a little bit of like two, 3% CBG. Uh-huh. And it's the synergy of those two cannabinoids. So it's pretty cool that you can take two legal cannabinoids and, and create a cross that has a, a really therapeutic medicinal effect where you smoke it. And even somebody that's like a cannabis user will be like, yeah, I feel good. Like I'm, I'm not stoned, yeah. but like it's, it's noticeable and, I, and I'm ready to rock. I want to try that. Cause the, the ones that I've tried, the, the, the hemp flower was in general was pretty like, eh. It was like, yeah, smoke, yeah, no, it's kind of like smoking a cigarette almost, you know? Yeah, no. And so, so that, yeah, you like a lot of the hemp flower that I had come, that had come across my way. It's like, I, it's really hard for me to stick it in a pipe or, or smoke it unless, you know, I, I've grown it myself or somebody or a buddy, you know, but yeah. it's that that's always been the case. Like once you grow your own, it's really hard to buy dispensary flour <laughs> or, you know, it's like, it's just, it, I mean, it's just like, I've lived in Washington most of my life and I've never once purchased anything from a dispensary. So it's like, you know, and they're everywhere. They're like on every corner, man. So it's, yeah. So, I mean, we grow our own, we always have, and we've got friends and stuff that we yeah. share. So that's cool. So you have like a little community around it too. You guys trade flowers like all the same way. Hey, try yeah, this so one. That's like loaded with CBG or whatever. Yeah. So, so me, so because of my like kind of like focused interest on the mixed ratio cannabis, I've got, uh, we've kind of created a little collective. So our website, like it's mostly a seed bank with, that also sells a little bit of hemp flour, but we've got a couple different breeders on there. They're all open source. So that's a big thing in the hemp market was people, a lot of these big breeders require you to sign material transfer agreements. And so you can't clone, you can't, you know, sell their seed. So it's, it's kind of like a Monsanto agreement. Whereas like, so there's a few of us in the hemp world that are like, you know, all about open source, like whatever we breed, you know, by all means, take it, run with it. Cause it's at the end of the day, like we want to encourage people to grow or grow their own. And like the only reason that you're breeding is because you want to share the plant. Like you want to share what right. you found you liked and you thought was cool. And it's like, and put it out into the world. And so, so yeah, I've got a group of uh, buddies um, that kind of have the same interest. You know, a lot of us are, are, uh, because, you know, we, we don't just like, we don't consume hemp, like purely hemp. Like I like hemp in regard to mixing, um, like, like, kind of like, so I use my cannabinoids kind of like a, uh, a medicine cabinet, you know? So it's like, I've got, you know, like different strains for different things, you know, like I've got like my nighttime THC heavy strains. I've got like my daytime focus strains. And so it basically becomes kind of like a, a tool chest. And so, and I think a lot of the breeders that I've kind of aligned myself with it, you know, they have interest in the hemp world, but then they, they're like, like you, like we said earlier, it's all the same plant. So it's like, how could you just like hemp and not like, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, don't you just get really high once in a while or no? Yeah, dude, every day. Okay, yeah. Right. No, I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, okay. it's. You know, that's just, that's just I, part. I'm just fascinated by like, I didn't know that there was this whole other side of it where it's, it's sort of like a mirror image. It's like everything except for the THC. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. fascinating to me because people are doing more and more with uh, understanding the other cannabinoids. It's uh, breeders that we talk to. Everybody's looking back to those old genetics, those land races, yep. because they have the full terpene profile, cannab cannabinoid profiles. And yep. so they're able to bring that stuff back that's been selected out for growing commercially underground for so long. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's, so that's honestly, if like, don't wait for somebody to breed something you want, just go like, do your research, go find out what region, like say, say you're really into cannabis <clears throat> or, you know, because I have a feeling that the people that recommended me are probably interested in what I'm doing because of the mixed ratio aspect, because it's like, you know, I have like THC fem lines and I have my CBD fem lines, which are kind of like, you know, okay, let's stay in those lane for those people that are interested. Yep. But all the fun stuff is happening in between, you know, it's like, it's, you know, like the, the cannabis that I like to consume is like, it's, it's entourage, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll grind up, 10 different strains and roll a blunt and smoke that, you know? And it's like, you pass that to a buddy that's just used to smoking THC cannabis and they're, they may be drooling at the end. All right. All right. I'm sold. I'm sold brother. We have to get some of your flowers here on the show and uh, and try it out. I'm really interested to see what that's like with the, uh, with higher doses of those other cannabinoids. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because like, Many of them isolated are non-psychoactive. So what people don't realize is even THCV is non-psychoactive in isolate form. But the second that you add even one to 2% into, you know, a certain strain, it just, it changes the effects completely. Like I'm, I'm people love Durban. People love a lot of the, like the, you know, the really uh, kind of the African or uh, Thai oriented sativas yep. because most of those are THCV rich and it may not just, you know, like, especially in the rec market, they are testing, they're required to have COAs on all their products. But, uh, well, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's a small group of people that are actively seeking those out and working with these land race strains. Um, and those are the people that I would be watching. So well, when I hear you talking about that, I have, uh, come across a few comments recently about, um, sort of those longer running sativa varieties and you know, the ones I'm talking about, they give you that sort of blasty, just yep. psychoactive kind of high, you know, um, and how, uh, those in order to get that effect, it pretty much has to be a plant that is going for flowering for a long time, because apparently it takes that much time to just develop those cannabinoids. So I'm curious if you are aware of that, or is that. So it definitely, true? it definitely seems like that's the case in certain, um, instances. So like an R, uh, one-to-one, yeah. uh, that we have, it is. So you could take that, like, essentially you could take that thing probably, I mean, I don't, the longest I've ever taken is like 15, 16 weeks, but really I think that thing would just continue to grow. So like you have plants in Thailand that are, have been flowering, you know, for like six months, they are just perpetually growing. They're like trees yeah. and like, you can go into the jungles and you can find these giant and, and it's just, that's the nature of like where they've evolved. Now you go to the Northern latitudes to Siberia and that's where Ruderalis evolved. So you have like, you have completely different spectrums. And what we have found like in the THCV stuff, at least the ones that I've worked with, it is true that like the longer you flower, the, the, the higher, the more uh, potency they get. So like, if you were to chop it at like week 12, you might be at like two or 3% of THC yeah. and THCV. If you continue to take it longer. Um, but that's not the case. You can selectively breed shorter flowering times and increase THCV. So we just got done sifting through a Syrian land race population last year. Um, most of those were staggered flowering times. They had everything from like full on autos to semi autos to early season and full photos. So you could literally plant those and be harvesting almost all, you know, midsummer to yeah. fall. It was pretty cool. Um, but we found CBDV and THCV in those and all of them I'd say were under 12 weeks of flowering. That's really cool. I have a really dumb question. So everybody talks about like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, get some land races and I'm yep. curious like how that actually goes down and, the plants that you're you're getting are they growing naturally or are they being like cultivated? 
Like, so how do you get so how do you get Landry seeds from Syria? Okay, so there. So there's two main seed banks that produce land rate. Well, they're actually more than that. So you've got like uh, the Indian Land Race Exchange with familiar with, with them a little bit. Yep. Your Zing runs okay. that. So you can email those guys. They take they'll take care of the Indian stuff for you. You've got like A Seeds and the Seed Company. Those are two big seed banks um, out of Europe that have huge selections. But really, uh, one of the ways that I've gotten a lot of my land races is trading directly. So like I just hooked up with a dude from Nigeria last year, sent him some seeds. Okay. Um, I recently just got some seeds from India, some whaling Valley selections, um, trading seeds so, directly from India. So what I'm curious about is, so like if you're buying them, where are those seeds being produced? Are they actually like being made in Syria or did somebody get some so, seeds and they're doing big runs in like Holland a, or something? So that's a good question. So like the Syrian seeds were a reproduction. So somebody went and collected those seeds. So yeah. a lot of the seeds from Indian land race exchange, you can confirm this with them. They they've been, they've been um, sourced directly from farmers. Now in other cases, they're reproductions. So what people will do is they'll take the seeds that they've sourced and just do an open pollination and, and do a reproduction, which okay. is as close as what you're going to get to the original seeds as possible. So like what I did when I got my Syrian land races, yeah. even before selections, I did an open pollination. So I did a preservation run. So I got like a pound of Syrian seeds gotcha. you know? and then it's like, okay, you know, stick that in the seed bank. And then when you start selectively breeding, you start teasing apart flowering times, you start testing for chemotypes. And then you can kind of move forward, you know, and that, and I did a lot of outcrosses. So we took some Syrian males, um, some early flowering Syrian males, and I took some later flowering and I crossed those to like, cause I have a pretty big library. So I have CBD moms and I have my THC moms. Yeah. And so we outcross to those. And then this summer is what we'll be, we'll be hunting through all of those outdoors. Okay. But the majority of my cultivation happens in the greenhouses under mixed light. So I can control, they're all light depth greenhouses. So I can, I grow year round. I can manipulate the life cycle. So uh, but when we are like testing and you want to see the true expression of flowering times, the photo periods, we grow those outside uh, every summer. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. And I'm curious if you know, like, so the person that's growing or, the, or had those seeds like in Syria, do yep. they grow those and consume them like the same way that we would? Like, do they smoke so, flour? What do they do with it? So that's a good, so you have domesticated varieties um, and then you also have like your wild, your wild varieties. So like, You'll find like the feral seeds, which are pretty cool. Like we, uh, I grew out some uh, low lab valley um, seeds, which are these like archaic little wispy plants that are found like growing under trees, like in the shade in the middle of the jungle. And yeah. they're just like insane terpene profile. And like, you know, you don't get any flower on them, but the flower you do get is like the most unique, crazy, heady high ever. So it's like, there's a reason why people are growing these. They're not the prettiest flower. And that's another point that I want to drive home. It's like, it is important to create, you know, super dense, um, commercial worthy varieties, but at the end of the day, like it, it all comes back to effect and flavor, like the experience, right? It, yeah. I mean, when you grind that up or when you stick it in your, like, it doesn't really matter how pretty the bud was prior to that. It, it really matters. Like, was it enjoyable? Like, did it taste good? It doesn't yeah. make you feel good. Like, I mean, that's really what we're after. And so like you take apart all the marketing and all the Instagram photos aside. And like, I think the land race people, it, they realize that. So, I mean, you know, if, if I wanted to take, you know, to grow a commercial land race variety, it would need to be worked in. So like, to the point where like, I'm not just, you know, setting aside a half a greenhouse for a couple pounds of flour. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm curious. Like, so that Syrian, like, did you smoke any of that? Like just straight oh, yeah. up. 
What, what oh, is yeah. it like? Is it many phenotypes? Yeah, that, several phenotypes. I mean, it's cool because does it have like, THC in it? Of, or is it hemp? Is that no, no, no. So, the, so excuse me. So the Syrians are mixed ratio. So they they were primarily uh, most of them were THC dominant, but you have mixed ratio. So this is the cool thing too. So like different populations around the world um, have different cannabis genomes. So like you go to Thailand or you anywhere in the United States that have, has been selectively bred for flour are all going to be THC rich. The hash making countries that open pollinate and select for hash typically have all your mixed ratios. Ah, so they okay. haven't actually selectively it's... bred out CBD. So what you'll find is you'll, they're actually like a most often a 50, 50 CBD THC blends of hash. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's just because in, in nature, cannabis wants to produce in a one to two, one, like a one, two, one, um, uh, chemotype like gene pool. So like, so for example, like if, if cannabis were to just go back and grow wild in nature yeah, and you were to, and you were to take a sample of that population and test the chemotype, 25% would be THC rich, 25% would be CBD rich and 50% would be mixed ratio. And that's typically what you find in like the wild population. So this is going to be, a, this is going to be a dumb question. So like in its natural state, then is cannabis more likely to have sort of a balanced terpene profile yep. or cannabinoid profile? Yep. It'll have, it'll typically. And so like if, if all humans were wiped off and cannabis was left to, you know, to, to evolve on its own, everything would kind of revert back to the wild feral types. So, you know, you're like not very big buds, you know, I mean, and I mean, um, then it goes back to kind of like it's protective mechanisms, you know? So like what, how, what's going to help it survive. So it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, so what so I'm chemotype, what's that? Well, I was going to say what, what I'm hearing is that what we're really trying to do is just get is, enjoy the uh increased yield and like you know the easy to wash off trikes and stuff like that yep. um but really we just want to get back to that balanced profile but then just maybe increase the concentration as high as possible but all yeah. across the board instead of focusing on one cannabinoid or another which is yeah. that's fascinating and i'm just curious like smoking that kind of bud like that which is very balanced i mean it is what is it like what is oh, it i mean like, so like Effect I don't know, wise. If, you, if, if you've ever heard of like, like, I don't know if you've ever heard like the old, like hippies talk about, you know, like back in the day, like the weed, it wasn't that the weed was less potent. It was just that it was a broader spectrum of cannabinoids. And so it was a, a much different high. You tend to be, so like when you smoke to 50, like a 50, 50, like a one-to-one, -one, yeah. you never, because CBD modulates the THC effect, they basically, you know, they're fighting for the same, uh, receptors or whatever, but, uh, it, it puts a ceiling on your THC. So you never actually get like any kind of paranoia or anything like that because you have the anti-anxiety effects of CBD. Yeah. So what you end up getting is like this really enjoyable, energetic kind of like non-fogginess, but relaxed. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, it would be like the perfect balance of both now. So like, I like, and that's, so that would be like a daytime. Like that's like my go-to, like a perfectly balanced one-to-one. -one. Yep. Now, if you want to like space out, watch a movie, go hang, you know, like you're just, you don't have anything going on because you know, I'm a farmer. So I've got shit to do all day long. I've got, you know, check emails in the morning, do, yeah. do office work and then get out, you know? So, so there's certain times for, for different things, you know, CBD is like, maybe you got an office interview and you, and you need to, you know, be on, on point or something, but you know, so it's, I, I feel like we've gotten away to like 
everybody's kind of in their own camps, you know, and, and it's like, it's all about kind of bringing the plant back together, bringing the communities back together. And like you said, this is cannabis in its natural state is like, I view kind of like CBD and THC is like the yin and the yang. Like it, they do, they both offer something completely different, but together they really do balance out the plant. And like, you, all you got to do is look to nature to realize like, those are the two major cannabinoids. And the funny thing is, is like, even though we're selectively breeding some of these miners up, yeah. In isolated form, they're not that enjoyable. Like if you like, dude, I've eaten a gram of CBG oil and it's, it, it's like dysphoric. Like you get kind of cold sweats. You don't feel good. Like it's just so much fun. No, it's not fun. But like you eat a gram of THC, like I eat a gram of THC and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm set for 12 hours or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, so it, it really is. So in that respect, like, I don't think there's a limit to CBD or THC because I feel like they're just there naturally. But like, now that we're starting to tease out some of these miners, we really have to be, you know, I mean, because we are like, we are the ones doing the the research. Like we're testing it on ourselves. Like there, there's not a lot of like paper, there's nothing to kind of look to, to be like, okay, well, you know, because we haven't even had them to consume, like they just haven't been in, in, you know, and, and now that we have like legal cannabis, we are, we're able to, um, really kind of like dive into these interests, you know, like when it was all, when when everything was kind of just about like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's really, the hemp market has opened up a huge opportunity for people, um, you know, to not have the hurdles or the legality of like what comes along with cannabis and to be able to explore a lot of these legal cannabinoids. Um, Sounds so, a little yeah. more. Yeah. It's like uh, a lot more lab heavy and more maybe like yep. scientific kind of research based where um, THC side is more like just based on, I think, experience. Like you can tell, like yep. if this bud you grew is better than the other, you know, yeah. but um. So I, I, this whole thing is uh, about breeding seeds and I'm curious about like seed lines that you're throwing out there. I know you were talking about the, you know, it's open source and things like that. But um, like if we, uh, a lot of people ask me like, Hey, you know, w- what should I get? Like, so if I wanted to kind of check out the the Hoku seed company, yep. what would you recommend? Like, or, you know, what are your kind of main lines, I guess? So the funny thing is, is so we're actually under review by our merchant processor. So we, we've kind of operated like under the radar for the last two years. I've sold a lot of mixed ratio stuff online, but um, in order for us to take credit cards on our website, we have to comply. So everything has to have a compliant COA. So I did, I, over the last few days, I've been kind of cleaning up my website, uh-huh. but uh, with that said, everything should be back up there by 420. So we're doing a big seed sale on 420 and we're doing a big flower drop on 420. Okay. So if you go to the website right now, it's a little bit bare bones but I did just drop a, uh, a feminized CBD line and it's by far like over the last two years, we've sifted through um, some of our own creations, some creations from uh, friends of ours, and we've teased apart a lot of the unique uh, flavor. So we have in that line, we've got like pineapple, we've got some sours, we've got diesel oh, and wow. we crossed it to a early flowering remedy Kush diesel, which was bred by a friend of mine. Um, so we got his permission to use it as a donor. Um, we sifted through a bunch of his gear and we just found this amazing early finishing plan that checked all the boxes. So we feminized her and we crossed it to all of our selections. So if you're looking for like CBD dominant, a lot of these can go one, you know, 1% THC. If you take them longer, I was going to say like, so what, what, what's great, like for daytime, like what would you, what would be your top pick for just like a good daytime kind of hemp, uh, hemp roll? So, so like from that line, from the RKD line, if you go, um, 
really most of those are good daytime because they're going to be CBD dominant. But I mean, I would like, if you like that kind of like the mango profile, we've got mango tree up there. Um, I've got a, uh, all the, uh, we've got, a. Uh, rock candy, mm-hmm. which is, uh, like a super sweet, like really nice hash plant, um, that finishes early. And, uh, that is, uh, that's the lineage on that is dance hall from uh, reggae seeds. Okay. So it's, it's, it's in a, uh, it's been a around for a little while, but it's kind of like this chemi super sweet, like just candy, like just pure sweetness. So that, that's a good one. So I'd say like rock candy, mango tree, I've got lazy bone, which has that love bone that I talked about in it. Okay. Um, and then what's coming down the line is I've got my mad villain project, which I just posted about that on Instagram that, that focuses on CBG and uh, THCV and THC. So that line will primarily be focused on barons and CBG and also uh, CBGV, which is a new cannabinoid that we're chasing this year. Uh, hopefully to find that in there. And then after that, I've got a, a OZ Kush line, which will be dropped. So the Mad Villain line is coming out um, the end of next month. And then that following month, we have our OZ Kush line, which is uh, basically a CBD CBG line. So that'll be like, you know, a lot of those will be mixed chemo types, like okay. 50, 50 CBD, CBG. Yep. And so, so yeah, so like this year is, is, is uh CBD. I've got my CBD line for all the hemp growers. I've got CBG, a THCV line in the mad villain for like anybody that wants to explore some unique uh, cannabinoids. And then the CBD CBG, which is another compliant line, but really gives those unique effects. And what we've been missing in the CBG market this last couple of years is we have CBG dominant genetics. Um, they're kind of like uh, bottlenecked at this point, but they're, they're not very flavorful. I don't know if it's the nature of the resin, yeah. but when you get when you combine CBD and CBG, you get a different type of resin head, which is a little more stickier. And I don't know if it's, they just have better terpene profiles. Okay. So that's what we're looking for is to kind of incorporate CBG into some new stuff, but also retain the flavor. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can hit up, hit up the website and check some of those lines out. But like I said, it's kind of bare bones now. Cause I took all my land race lines off. I took like, I have some CBG THC lines, um, we pulled those just because we're working on COAs and kind of cleaning up the site. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, man, if you can't, if you can't take credit cards, that's one of the problems with a lot of the THC seed banks is I I've, I've spent yeah. years sending it cash in an envelope, you know? So, yeah, exactly. Um, but also, yeah, so, I mean, that works out well though, to be honest. I mean, I would love to try out some of the flower and see yeah. what that's like. And, um, yeah, so we'll I got a, a new, new flower drop coming. I just harvested last week. So if you, uh, okay. yeah, I could send you a little, you guys a little care package. It'd be cool to get your opinion. Yeah. I would love to check it out. I'm so interested in the effects and I'm also really interested in the flavors. Like I was telling you earlier, like the last time I had a big fat hemp nug, it was like, eh. and it's yeah. sat, it's sat in the container for months. And I think I finally threw it out. Don't tell anybody. So this is the deal, man. We, so we, I created a giant humidor in a shipping container that I can cure at 60% humidity and, and 60% degree or 60 degrees for yeah. you know, roughly 14 days. So I've got a, you know, humidifier, dehumidifier, mini split, you know, it's insulated. It's the perfect, uh, perfect. you know, dry room. So it's like, in fact, if you can't get your cure down, you're never going to grow a good flower. Like, I mean, you, you know, I mean, and that's, everything comes down to the cure. It's like, you can take perfectly grown flour and fuck it up in the cure. And, and so, um, so that's where we really focus. And I think a lot of our customers appreciate that, you know, we don't skimp on the cure and then, uh, and then we don't sell anything that's, you know, over three months old. So like, 
If, if it's Amazing. if it's sat on the if it's sat on the shelf, it goes in the hash bin. I All mean, right. it's just you know, people trying to sell year old flour, man. It's just not. No, I like the idea. I, I do. I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the drop. It's fresh. It's uh, you know, it's kind of more of an yeah. agricultural product. That's kind of how I I see it. And uh, yeah. you know, we've got uh, Max Microbes over here. That is a perfect joint roller. So I would love to grab some of your flour, let him roll it up, and then we will nice pass yeah, I it prefer, around. If I, I'm not a big glass guy. I, I like I like blunts and joints myself too. I mean, like I said, I eat mo I mostly eat hash, but like in the evenings is when I smoke and. That's usually my go-to. So backwoods or papers, and yeah. Mm. What we might need to do is give Scotty a joint, but not tell him that it's your bud, and there we go. See if he notices. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, I mean, the funny thing is, is he's gonna smoke it, and he's gonna be like, "Wow, this tastes really good." And then he's gonna be waiting for the high that'll that's not really gonna hit him. So it's it's almost <laughs> like a it's a really funny effect because you know they like can't tell right yeah, away, but then different. you're like. In, I do it myself. Like I'll smoke, I'll smoke something. I'll be, I'll be waiting for it to kick in. I'll be like, Oh yeah, that wasn't, you know, that was, that was this, that yeah. wasn't, you know, what I was expecting. So it's almost like a psych out. And I think, uh, yeah. So, but you know, if, if somebody's trying to like lean off or kind of like reduce their THC consumption or maybe even just stop smoking cigarettes, you know, and you just yeah, have that. I've seen a bunch of people that like the hemp rolls for that reason. Yeah. But again, man, hemp rolls like pre-ground, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there's good companies doing it right out there, but yeah. Yep. Nothing that but, I've know, come across that's like, been impressive yet. I mean, yeah, but, but Hey, yeah, uh, there's, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I was just going to say there, there's, there's some good companies out there. Um, they're few and far in between, but you know, we have like at the level that we're operating at, you get the same customer base across multiple, you know, kind of businesses because yeah. we're all kind of, you know, at the same level and stuff. And so I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a growing hemp community that has like an eye for like cannabis and a lot of, and it's funny too, because I've noticed that a lot of the people that like our products are generally older or they're purchasing them to, because they like mixed ratios. So they'll, they're, you know, they're going to go buy their, their cannabis and yeah. then they're going to buy some of my hemp flour. And because it's, you know, of the similar quality, they're going to roll it together. So Thank a you. lot of people are actually custom mixing and we do the same thing. So I do like a master mix blend, yeah. which is like 20 different strains all mixed together, pre-ground uh, stems are sifted out. And so it's like, it's how I used to make my joints and because, and what was happening was people were buying my joints and opening the joints so they could smoke the flour, vape the flour. And so I just started selling it on its own. I gotcha. Well, I'm but excited to try it. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And uh, I learned a lot today. Uh, I had no idea that all of this was going on and um, yeah. it's really cool what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, keep, keep up the good work and I'm um, really appreciate you stopping by. Right on, man. No, I appreciate the opportunity. And I wanted to say, man, if, if any seed banks out there uh, want to carry our seed, like in the future going forward, I don't know if I'm going to be able to carry a lot of my like uh, type one or like THC or mixed ratio cannabis seeds on my website, yeah. just because the way regulations are going, it feels like the hemp market is uh, kind of clamping down, but I've got a bunch of projects that would be interesting um, to, I feel like, uh, you know, THC seed banks. And I think there's a disconnect of like, that was part of the problem when I started breeding was like going to the THCC banks and they're all, they don't really have a lot of the mixed ratio or the miners or like the CBD THC varieties. Yeah. Um, I think so you guys, missing. You, yeah, you guys are kind of on the cutting edge, I think in that regard. 
Um, yeah, I, I will, uh, for what it's worth, I will say uh, Duke said made the same comment on a show, um, but uh, he prefers to focus on the growing and let somebody else kind of handle the the distribution part. So I think that's kind of good advice, man. Especially it seems like uh, breeding all this stuff really makes you happy. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's probably a lot more fun than, than shipping out envelopes and stuff, you know, oh, dude, my, so we're, you know, it's only five of us really that, that, uh, that run the farm and my wife and her mom handled the office work. And, uh, it's, it's a, that's, it's a full-time gig shipping orders out every day. You know I mean? They, yeah. come, they come in. So, I mean, the flowers enough, you know I mean? That's, that's just part of like, you know, you have to do that, but yeah, the seeds too. I mean, so, but it's, they're completely different markets, you know? And it's like, nobody's going to come to my website. Like, I, I feel like we're just off the beaten path. Like you said, we're kind of on the cutting edge. Yeah. Um, and I predict in five to 10 years, um, our genetics will be being used by a lot of the cannabis breeders. Once they catch on to the fact that like mixed ratio cannabis is the future, like yeah. that's how you're going to create new and unique highs, new effects. And, uh, and, and we just haven't had the breeding tools to do it so far. And like, once we have really solid THCV lines, it's not going to be that hard for somebody to just take, you know, something we've created and smack, you know, and create a completely new THCB rich line. So, um, yeah, I think very uh, cool. Well, it's exciting. The tell, future is tell everybody how we can follow along when you guys have some news, you have a Instagram that you maintain, you post up a lot of pictures and, uh, yeah, just, so I'm, I'm active on Instagram. Ho, Hoku um, seed doc, or no, sorry. Hoku seed co. Yep. H O K U seed C O. Yep. And then we're at uh, just our website, hokuseedco.com. And then, yeah, if you sign up for the email lists um, on the website, that's how we communicate uh, drops and promos, new seed drops, flower drops, all that kind of stuff. So, all right. Um, well, I'm yeah, looking, my cell phone I'm looking forward to getting, website. sorry, I'm looking so forward to getting some flour and uh, we might have to do a, a what's in your jar with someone and I'll have some of your CBD flour in there. Or CBG nice. or TH, whatever. Yeah. Alphabet yeah, soup. I'll send, uh, yeah, so I've got not this next crop that just came down, but the next one after I've got some THCV stuff and CBDV along with some CBG and then CBD flour. So we've got a little bit of everything. This so, will make yeah. sense after I actually have it and try it. And right now yeah. it's like alphabet soup, brother. Yeah, it, it, dude, <laughs> it is. And it's, it's hard, like. Yeah. It, it's kind of hard communicating too, to people too. And like, even when people go to the website, they're like, man, it's like, it's so confusing. Like, how do I navigate this? So yeah, I hope, I hope cleaning up the website in the future, you know, will be a little easier for folks. So yeah, check cool. it out. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on my friend. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. I'm really, again, I'm looking forward to trying out your, your flowers. Right on dude. All right. Thank yep. Thank you, Ben. Some people love to blaze up the deck Yeah, we get happy for noon And with the boss man's to take a little break That means we're lighting up a dude